and welcome to The Kurt Locker, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Kurt Russell. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I'm one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-host. She doesn't have time to be proper. She wants to live. It's Lindsay Nelson. (laughs) So what I have tattooed. No, I don't. Invisible ink only. (laughs) I was like, that was one of those situations. Hi, everyone. It's been a, we've been away for a short period of time. Yes, hello. I think we're just going to slip this back on like a well-worn shoe. Um, (laughs) I think that's probably the best bet. Uh, while watching the movie, there are a lot of great lines in this movie. Um, but as soon as I heard that one, I was like, well, that's either Whitney or Lindsay. I mean, it could go either way. <laughs> that's for that a one. Nelson sister for sure. That's a, yeah, yeah, that's just a, a Nelson sister <laughs> line. I loved it. I was like, I wrote it down immediately. I was a scribble in my notes. <laughs> it was great. Lindsay, how have you been? I've been good. Uh, hot as everybody in the world has everybody in this hemisphere at least um but yeah you know good making gelato doing the stuff how about you i've been good uh our um i just did a quick search our last our last episode uh was on january 11th (laughs) um which is a bit that's a bit of time just a a bit yeah that is an that is a period of time that's when we did Captain Ron, a great film. <laughs> um, a film. A fi- <laughs> of all of the Kurt Russell films, Captain Ron is one of them. Is one of them, yep. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I attribute a lot of the, the hiatus to myself, um, uh, being a, a terrible manager of my time. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm happy. This, I like... As soon as I heard your voice and another voice that might come a little bit later, mm-hmm. I'm filled with this energy, yeah. this like good vibe energy, um, and we get to watch cool movies and talk about them. So this is great. I'm, know, I'm really so happy exciting. for that. Me too. I am going to. <laughs> it's like, what, what's the next thing? <laughs> I said it was like podcast? riding a bicycle. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do some contact info and housekeeping, and then and then we're gonna talk about some stuff. Um, as always, you know, as always, I want to mention, you could find this and all of our other podcasts at 12and24.com. Thank God we have a deep back catalog of podcasts for you. Uh, <laughs> but we also have a merch store, shirts, stickers, coffee mugs, all that stuff from, uh, Tee Public. Um, they're, they're quite good. I, I actually just got a, um, uh, a tri-blend. Someone was talking about the shirt quality in our Discord, um, mm-hmm. and I had gotten the tri-blend because my old John Wick shirt had um, kind of fallen apart. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's like there are stages. There are like you get a shirt, and then that might be a shirt that you wear out in public, and then there comes a like a tipping point with most shirts. I don't know if this is true with you, where uh, then it becomes just kind of like a casual indoor shirt, mm-hmm. and then then it becomes dust and that's that's where the that's what the john wick shirt was for me um but yeah you can get kurt russell shirts you can get john wick shirts you get whatever you want um uh, over at our store there um you can email us um kurtlockerpod at gmail.com i would say you could hit us up on twitter um but given the state of things <laughs> i i just don't know if twitter will be around that much yeah, longer so maybe not even twitter anymore it's yeah uh, x x now 
don't follow us on X. But if yeah. you, I guess we're Kurt Locker Pod. I, I haven't updated that in longer than we've updated this feed. So don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but please do join us on the aforementioned Discord by going 12and24.com slash Discord. That's probably where I'll live after Twitter slash mm-hmm. X disintegrates. I'll just fully invest in Discord, which yeah. is great. Love At least one of the various hosts is usually on there daily. So Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. And then uh, finally, if you want to support us with just a moment of your time, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to bring more folks into the fray. We actually got a review in the intervening... Uh, months that we had off, which is cool. Mm. Um, this one, <laughs> this one uh, came on March twenty first, so very timely rereading of this uh, uh, <laughs> this review, titled "Kurt's So Good," and I love a good uh, piece of oh, yeah. uh, uh, I pun. Love I love that. a good pun, <laughs> uh, as you know, as the title of this podcast suggests. Love mm-hmm. listening to this pod as a continuation and fan of Cool Breeze. Who doesn't love Kurt? The gang just knows how to have fun and not take themselves too seriously. Great mixture of analysis and entertainment, especially figure it out, asshole. Check this pod out. You won't be disappointed. You love to hear it. No, that's from you. That's from Mikey 12 Balls. (laughs) Mikey. Mikey. Thank you. You know who you are. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's great. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah, do that. Make our day with reviews. I read that review back in March. I just. You know, couldn't get it together. Oh my gosh! Okay, um, there's two of us today. There Do you is. mind if I take the synopsis and then you roll with the reviews? No, go ahead. All right. Today we're talking about the film Tombstone. The plot synopsis from IMDb is: A successful lawman's plans to retire anonymously in Tombstone, Arizona, are disrupted by the kind of outlaws he was famous for eliminating. This movie was written. By Kevin Jar, Jarre, I don't know, Jar Jarre, and directed by George P. Cosmatos. Cosmatos. That's a good name. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty great name. It comes up really big right after the narrator finishes at the end. It's like a, it's a very, <laughs> it looks good in that Western font too. Mm-hmm. Uh, co-starring alongside Kurt are um, everybody mm-hmm. in the nineties. <laughs> We have Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Powers Booth, Michael Bean, Charlton Heston, Jason Priestley, Stephen Lang, Thomas Hayden Church, Dana Delaney, Paula Malcolmson, Lisa Collins, and cameos from every, literally everybody. I mm-hmm. think Billy Bob Thornton was in this movie for about 15 seconds. I mean, watching right? it, you just keep going, that guy? That guy? <laughs> Wait, who is that guy? I know I've seen them in yes. a bunch of stuff. Like, the whole movie is just... Yeah, this is this will date this will date the podcast. But like I I experienced the same thing recently, like uh, uh, as of recording this yesterday, I saw Oppenheimer uh, to mm. complete the the Barbenheimer experience. Naturally. And <laughs> and I did the same thing in Oppenheimer where I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? the? Oh, my him too? her too? everybody. So this is very much the same type of experience. But Lindsay, what do yes. the critics and audiences have to say about Tombstone? Well, the critics and audience are generally pretty in favor. The Rotten Tomatoes score for critics is 72%. So, you know, not stellar, but solid. Mm. The audience score, however, is 94%. Hey. So audiences are very pro this movie. Okay. okay. Uh, 
So we've got a critical review from Jonathan Rosenbaum from the Chicago Read that says, A lot of care and attention were obviously devoted to selecting locations, designing sets, and grooming handlebar mustaches. Much less attention went to making one believe that any of the events took place circa 1879. <laughs> this is an interesting thing that happens. If you look at Rotten Tomatoes, like the top four to five critic reviews are actually rotten. And I'm mm. like, what's happening here? I thought this was like kind of a universally beloved picture, but not so. Not at least among the critics, at least I, among I would the say. Critics, yeah. I think this is a big uh like popular with audiences movie. Um, I obviously was a little baby when it came out and do not know what the sort of like cultural tone was it about the time, but the like retrospective cultural tone is very fondly thought of. But yeah. not I would say like critic like that oh, that was a not like a critical re examination, just that like audiences really enjoy it. Interesting. Interesting. So. Okay. I don't know, but uh, we've got a uh, user review from Silent J, which is five out of five stars. Imagine if Jack Sparrow was in a Western. That's Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday in Tombstone. Mm, I mean, okay. It's even more awesome than how it sounds. <laughs> I mean, I can see where they're getting that, but I don't know that I agree. Um, sure. But, like, I understand where it's coming from. Yeah, that's a... That's a hilarious, um, I, I feel like we have a lot to, I mean, this is a Kurt Russell podcast, but I feel like we have, a, we'll have a lot to say about Val Kilmer in this film. I mean, I definitely have a lot to say about Val Kilmer in this film. All right. Good. All right. We'll, we'll, <laughs> so we'll get there. Yeah. I know yeah. we'll get there. Okay. And then we have the all important, uh, listener Claire's mom review. Oh. So oh it's been so long since we've approached the Oracle that is Claire's mom. So, uh, <laughs> Claire's mom says, this is just not well written. I'm not sure what they could have done to make it work. Some of the cinematography was interesting, but some of it was really not. It just moseyed along until almost halfway through. No conflict until suddenly there was. What it did was it compelled me. It worked so hard to give you the history that it compelled me. Even in the middle of the film to start reading about the event. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right, Claire's mom. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of how an, it is. A mixed sort of like a ambiguous review there. Is Claire's mom a film reviewer? She's in at seventy two percent. I don't know. Um, yeah. Lindsay, mm -hmm. had you seen this movie before this viewing of it? So I had seen it when I was a child. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly when but I had seen it um and I didn't have too many like I didn't remember how I felt about it or anything I just remember having seen it like that's a movie that exists um I remembered some of the visual impressions of it uh yeah. but I hadn't seen it recently at all okay all right so how about you uh, you thought you saw this but you had actually seen Wyatt Earp yeah I had, I had either seen Wyatt Earp or uh, Unforgiven or maybe some permutation of the two. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, this was my first time watching uh, Tombstone. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. Should we launch into this? Yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> All right. Um, just like riding a bike, everyone. Um, yep. 
So let me preface by saying that I think I think I'm on the record here on this podcast of saying I'm not a huge fan of westerns. Yes, you have been on the record with that, which is hilarious that you chose yeah. to do a Kurt Russell. Podcast. And I chose Kurt Russell of all. <laughs> so uh, that said, on the other side of that, generally, like it, it, we could say, like a blanket statement, like I don't really like westerns. However. Uh, there have been more recent examples of things that are very clearly Westerns that I love the hell out of, right? Like No Country for Old Men, maybe one of my top five movies ever. I mean, that's I, an incredible movie. Yeah. Um, uh, on th th that same year, right, the film it was up against for many awards, There Will Be Blood, I believe is also kind of a Western, maybe like a Western epic. I don't know. I don't know where you would categorize that, if you would even call that a Western. Not cowboys, I mean, but like... It is. It definitely shares a lot of DNA with a Western, if it's not a Western. It's very much about, like, rugged individualism, yeah, the American dream, uh, men surviving in harsh environments. It's got a lot of... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Thematically, yeah. very Western. Uh, and then, and and then um, when they take elements of a Western and they put them, they transplant them in other things, like say the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. I find that to be very amusing as well. I like that. Yeah. No, I I do think I'm actually weirdly a bigger fan of the space Western than I am of the straight ahead Western. Right. So that all I'm all I'm admitting is that there are certainly elements of Westerns that I am uh, drawn towards. This movie, um, all that, uh, you know, all that preamble aside is excellent. I really like this movie. <laughs> I didn't know if you, you, everyone was like, I, I, was, I was thinking of Lane Train here and I thought maybe I could trick him and zag instead of zig, right? <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, and, my 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 one issue with it, if there is one to be had, is I'm not sure if I like this movie because because it's a movie or because it's just filled with like ten incredible performances. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm still like pr I'm still processing through that. I don't know if like loving ten great performances makes it a good movie or not. Yeah, um, yeah. That said, everything about this movie, the cinematography. Obviously, the characters and, and, and the town itself, the production design, most of the action, I'm like, wow, this is great. That looks beautiful. Oh, my God, I can't believe this is a real place where people are walking around and doing stuff. I appreciate <laughs> all of the discrete elements of it. And mm -hmm. I, I came away thinking, like, that was that was better than I could have ever hoped for, <laughs> right? Having seen this 20, you know, 30 years after the fact or whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought that this was like some some top notch filmmaking. That's like my high level stuff. What what are you uh, what are you thinking about Tombstone? So, in a lot of ways, uh, I definitely definitely relate to you saying if you love ten performances, does that mean you like the movie? I'm not sure yeah. because like visually, this movie is really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Everything has that golden western light, you know that like. <laughs> everything yeah it's um, always like sunrise or sunset or sometimes both at the same yeah. time it looks like they smeared honey over the lens for like everything <laughs> because it's just got that um and there's some really interesting performances 
Um, there is... The production design is good. The costume design is okay. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't do terrible on this one, actually, for a movie in the 90s. I, You know, we've talked about it before. I have a real issue with period <laughs> movies where they either didn't do their research or even worse is kind of when they did and then chose to just, like, still do fully contemporary makeup for whatever the contemporary era they're shooting in is or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this was decent. I think there's a lot of reference photos for this particular era and even these particular pictures. So that helped you know (laughs) they were trying um but i will say that i do agree with claire's mom and the fact that i feel like the plotting in this is kind of a mess like part of it might be because it is the historical events and they were trying to keep relatively close to the historical events which means that there's no like there's rarely super good beginning and end points in like actual people's lives Mm-hmm. Um, and the story can feel kind of meandering. This movie felt like a lot of vignettes more than it felt like a sol- like a, a complete mo- one story, you know? Yeah. Um, I will say that I do think in a lot of really good performances, Val Kilmer does steal it. Like, yeah. I think that <laughs> the... The thing that you come away remembering most strongly from this movie is Doc Holliday, even though there are lots of really good performances. Um... As a real-life person, I do think that uh, Josie Earp, who's the actress that he falls in love with, who they do actually end up getting married and stuff, is one of the most interesting people in this movie, and they do not spend enough time with her. Although I get also, like, like, she's, as a real-life person, (laughs) way more interesting than, like, Wyatt Earp. But I get that, (laughs) you know. Um, So, yeah, I will say that... uh, I enjoyed this movie. I liked rewatching it. I do feel like the plot and the pacing is where it kind of falls down. I also do find it weird. I also like was had the urge to look up again, even though I am kind of familiar. I've been to Tombstone. I've seen the, you know, reenactments that they do in the museum and stuff. I do think it's weird how much America is obsessed with this incident. Because yeah. it's it's like became such a part of our cultural mythology. It's one of those stories the real fight lasted for like 57 seconds. Like, and it was a dispute between a bunch of vaguely levels of disreputable figures over not too much. Like, I don't understand why this incident has become so mythologized. I I don't understand what people find so compelling about it. It's just, you know, the classic good versus bad or maybe but, not but bad. But it's not it even sounds that. Like bad like, versus that's what I'm bad. Saying. The, the Earps were maybe marginally better. Right. But they Not weren't outright murderers. Yeah, but they weren't like good people either. <laughs> like yeah. I mean it's it, they certainly weren't that much more law abiding, you know, maybe just a hair more law abiding. And I definitely think one of the things that I do find interesting is that I I like I said I've never really found Wyatt Earp that interesting as a historical figure. I do think one of the least attractive characters in this movie is Kurt Russell. Like I do think that he <gasps> is one of the least compelling people. He keeps getting upstaged, I think. And I think that that's not so much his performance as, like, the writing of the characters. Yeah. Um, Because, like, he sucks to his wife, but his wife also isn't... We aren't given any reason why anything that's happening in their relationship is happening. Yes, <laughs> like, that's true. We aren't given any indication of what made them decide to get married in the first place. Have they always disliked each other this much? Or just not even disliked each other, but just not connected? Um. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, 
both of his brothers have much better relationships with their wives. <laughs> they actually seem to, you know, like each other. Right. Um, whereas they don't. So maybe that's enough to turn. Like, you do have Val Kilmer, <laughs> like, coming in and being incredibly magnetic, even though he's, like, feverish and tubercular all the time. <laughs> he right. still manages to be way more charming and compelling uh, than, you know, Wyatt Earp. So... Overall, I did enjoy this movie, uh, but I do think that it has particularly some plot pacing problems. Yeah. <laughs> the only way that you can tell that time is elapsing in this film is is Val Kilmer's condition. As yeah. the movie progresses, you're like, oh, he looks worse <laughs> than he did the last time. Time bit must have sweatier, passed. A bit sweatier, a bit more jaundice. Yeah. <laughs> <Mostly>, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Doc was Doc was a, a pretty wonderful uh, wonderful character I, in this film. Again, I can't speak to the real life person. I don't know that much about it beyond what was told to me through through films and mm -hmm. and uh, you know U.S. history. Well, I mean, by all real life accounts, he was a pretty charismatic, compelling figure, even if he was also kind of uh, you know pretty disreputable at the same right, time. Right? Yeah, but... he's a lovable rapscallion of, yeah. of sorts. I. I do agree with you on a lot of these things and specifically like I do wish we dove into uh, Josie's character more like I either wanted more of it or none of it if yeah. that makes sense like it was it was they didn't they dipped a toe often enough to like pull us out of the other stories they were trying to tell mm -hmm. but never went all in on it until you know they get married at the end and they have their, their their moment or whatever which was nice granted that was a really lovely kind of set piece that they with the snow and everything like that but <laughs> i i was like that's an she's an interesting person all of those you know all of the entertainers that come into town i'm like mm -hmm. well these are interesting people like you know whatever and again the wife his wife his first wife um mm -hmm. You know, all we know is that she's addicted to opium. That's like, she That's has it. headaches and she likes her laudum. And <laughs> That's all we know about her. She's Those blonde. Are the two, yeah, she's, if you ask me you know. anything about her, that's all I can actually tell you. She doesn't mm -hmm. seem to like Wyatt very much and she's addicted to opium. <laughs> two. Those are the two facts I can tell you. Those are the things, yeah. I, I am with you that Josie, like I said, incredibly fascinating. She was a historical hottie. I think she actually won our Wild West uh, historical hotties episode. There you go. But uh, yeah, you, her inclusion in this is one of those things where I think they put her there because this is how they did actually meet. But it distracts because you don't have a good story going on with them. You either need to put some kind of motivation into them getting to like your thematic underpinnings what are you trying to say with this because otherwise yeah. just don't include it like focus on the conflict you know that's kind of what i was thinking it's like a you know it's like it's a will they won't they but it's like i'm i having never seen the movie i'm like i'm pretty sure they will that's dana delaney right <laughs> i think <laughs> i think she's mm -hmm. important enough to be the the you know survive this film or you know whatever um, but yeah, that, that was, that was one thing. And then you, you brought up another good point, which is like, Kurt was not bad in this movie. Gotta just put that out there. 
he was he was the curtest Kurt that curted in this film, right? Mm -hmm. However, if you look at the people that he was surrounded by, it's like a murderer's row of talent, right? Mm -hmm. It's like to his left is Sam Elliott. I mean, right? just Sam Elliotting so hard, right? <laughs> like, and he, yeah, <laughs> just like the like uh, two octaves deeper. <laughs> you uh -huh. know what I'm saying? Uh, and then on his right, you have Bill Paxton, who is an actor who I I always kind of liked, but ap appreciate a lot more now when I revisit some of the things that he was in. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, I, I just don't, Bill I feel Paxton like I never. Paxton holds up, let's put it that way. We yeah, I didn't, I, did, I, <laughs> holds up. I didn't necessarily like appreciate him when we had him, I, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. And, but going back now, I'm like, this guy is, is dynamic, right? He, he brings some, some great energy, which is why a lot of directors have loved working with him over the years. So, um, and then the bat, and then all of our, all of our baddies too, Powers Booth, Michael Bean. I watched, this was weird that there was like a weird overlap between like uh, completely unrelated. I had like just wanted to watch The Abyss again. Mm. And I was like, ah, oh, put on The Abyss. It's been a minute since I've seen that movie. And Michael Bean is, you know, spoilers for The Abyss if you haven't seen it or whatever. <laughs> Michael Bean goes cuckoo bananas at the end uh -huh. of the, within that movie. And he's a great villain. And he's also a great villain in this. Mm -hmm. So that dude's been at it for a long time. And I was like, I forgot. A, what's Michael Bean up to these days? Yeah. You know, like. Um, I will say one thing that did bug me is the introduction to the gang. And when they're establishing their villainy, because we have a lot of things that movies did a lot of in the 90s and yeah. the early 2000s, which is minorities as personalityless cannon fodder. Mm -hmm. And sexual abuse of women to just establish that these are bad guys. Right. And for... that's like scene one. Yeah. It, and it checks both boxes like right there, you know? Yep. Yep. So <sighs> yeah, that's like, I think the only time Mexican people are in the movie and it's just for them to be cannon fodder and uh, to do the like, I mean, the, the cinematic trope of raping a bride on her wedding day. Right. Just to establish who bad guys are was pretty terribly prevalent in this era. But it feels so gratuitous and not story motivated at all. Yeah. I <laughs> That's that that's I I I hate that. Was this was this based off of a book? I can't I I don't know. It, or okay. I mean, I don't yeah, I don't know for sure. Um I feel like there just had to be something else we could have done. And also they, they established that v the villainy, right? Mm -hmm. In that beginning scene by being heinous. And then, then there's just kind of like an uneasy tension. Like they're not, and I'm maybe that's how it was then, but I'm like, yeah, they're the bad guys, but they're also just, they're just kind of hanging out, gambling. Maybe they get into a gunfight. Apparently that's, quote legal it's like oh they both draw their guns so that guy got shot he's dead whatever um i would have liked them to be <laughs> more consistently evil <laughs> yeah no absolutely sense. i'm with you that's part of my thing about like they just wanted to show that they're worse than the erps right so that we immediately see the erps as the good guys and don't really question any of the questionable things that the erps are doing yeah um, that's really it i mean the erps come in and they basically yeah. strong arm a bar and they're like, we'll take 25%. I was like, protection money. I'm like, 
Yeah. Okay. They're the mafia. Like, it's not. Right. And so they just needed to do something really terrible to show. Instead of actively putting the work into making these guys be the villain and feel menacing. Yeah. For the movie, they were like, oh, we'll see. We'll show you one scene of them being terrible to uh, Mexican people and committing sexual assault. Just so you know. Just so we've told you who the bad guys are. We're not actually going to put the work into making them actually yeah. feel like the bad guys. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing also is like it's really difficult for me. You, you, if you put Kurt Russell, if you want to frame him as the bad guy in your movie, which we're mm. coming up on. So uh, he necessarily he was never really the heel, at least until like. Not Until in the like his, of his 60s career. or something. Yeah. Right. Like he started being the bad guy when he was older. But he's like fucking great at it. <laughs> so I'm like, I feel like we missed out, like, you know, for image yeah. reasons or whatever. But you want to put Kurt Russell, you want to position him as a, a bad guy or like anti hero, not necessarily like a great guy, whatever. Mm -hmm. I I buy it. It's And and Sam Elliott? Okay. I, 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 could, I could see it, right? That's not what I traditionally, like, I think Sam Elliott, I think, like, just, like, chill cowboy dude, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but there's no way you're convincing me that Bill Paxton is, like, a bad guy. Like, that's also, so, they're you know, like, they, yeah. I think they cast it in a way where they're like, oh, well, you know, Kurt Russell is, he's middle, he's, like, middle, right? And mm -hmm. Sam Elliott's kind of good. And uh, Bill Paxton is also, at that point, I guess, known to be, like, Oh, he's like, he's a good guy, right? He's got a cute face, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I mean, Morgan is the youngest, and he's very, like, you know, earnest. He's got that new yeah. Penny vibe, you know, of the A misguided, perhaps. So, yeah, yeah, a little rash, but, like, um, which is interesting that there isn't more of a contrast, because usually when you have, like, sets of siblings or even main characters, you usually position the other ones at like two extremes so that the audience sees the middle one or the main one as like the the rational choice, you know? Yeah. Um, you, you would usually have like one really irresponsible one and really one really uptight one so that the middle one would seem like the most relatable or whatever the traits you were going for. They don't really do that here. Like, you're right. It's like Sam Elliott, good. Kurt Russell, medium. <laughs> like as far as morality goes. Yeah. And then Morgan is like just kind of naive. Look, I get it. You know, I mean, it's really you, you want to put these guys on the poster, you know, that it, it, you're going to people are going to go see the movie. Right. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that's mm -hmm. all I'll say is, you know, that that worked out great. <laughs> yeah. The. Um, I think we talked we talked about Kurt specifically. Right. Um, so. The one thing that that generally stands out to me in a in a western um uh, maybe not generally because again <laughs> uh, generally stands out to me in movies right mm -hmm. is uh the score i'm always listening for that yeah can you tell me anything about the score of this film Lindsay? it was there <laughs> really yes yes it there was indeed at points Music a happens. Score, yeah. And it was uh, wholly unremarkable. Yeah. Completely faded into the background. So it was not 
It it's didn't give like... you those super spaghetti western vibes. It didn't right. give you like really emotional moment vibes. It wasn't bad, but I like never noticed it. That's a thing. That's a thing, right? That's a small. I think it's a small thing overall. But like, uh, um, uh, the music can take something that is, um, you know, a six, and then just bring it to an eight potentially a nine right just to, just by like adding the right score to it so i thought that was a little bit of a miss mm-hmm. for me um but overall i don't know i i thought the action was pretty well staged again pretty fast and like i you, i i, I lowered my expectations <laughs> again i <laughs> i don't mean the shit on any I, I i just with a western i think when they strive for realism and even this is not realistic i i wouldn't say like you know if we're going back to the actual west i think before the show you or maybe there, you said that the whole situation took place in like 57 seconds or whatever right? yeah, like, the actual fight was yeah, like the, the nothing, okay corral like the, which is, th- that yeah yeah i mean a lot of people died but that was also not an uncommon thing in this area in this time period i really don't know why Culture has hung on to this so much. I do know. I mean, part of it is it was talked about a lot at the time. So it was in newspapers. People wrote pulp novels about it. So I know that part of the reason why we still care about it, why anybody knows about the shootout at the OK Corral is because it was a very big cultural moment at the time. I don't know why people at the time latched onto it to the extent that they did. Because it's not, like, super anomalous or anything. It's not super epic. It's just uh, conflicting kind of gangs having a shootout that was not in any way particularly glorious or memorable (laughs) from my perspective. Like, you know. I feel like, well, they went from that, which felt, you know, I think... It's probably pretty realistic. You ha- you're having a gunfight. A lot of bullets are going to miss, right? Mm-hmm. I think if you're really engaged in a gunfight, it's not like John Wick. It's literally like I have six shots and maybe one of them out of five can uh, one of them out of yeah. six connects with someone, right? Yeah, I mean, especially in this era with this weaponry, you know. Right, like, exactly. You, you know, you've got six shots and you've got to reload. You're not your distance is not that. You know, it's not like a. I, I am not a gun person, so I can't really go too much into the details of like, but yeah, no, it's not going to be, I mean, very few things are like John Wick, but like, it's definitely not going to be <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> Although, I will say, for Wyatt Earp had a custom revolver of his own, uh, yeah. which was pretty cool, but looked wildly impractical. I was like, look at the size of that gun. It is mm-hmm. ridiculous. Unlike uh, Doc Holliday, who had those kind of like little shorter, I don't, I mean, again, I don't know really too much about guns, but Doc Holliday's guns, much shorter barrels on those, and, mm-hmm. you know, comparatively, I guess, whatever. Um, I didn't understand, though, at the end, well, not at the end, towards this last act, right, when he's seeking his revenge, the mm-hmm. which is a great series of events, right? Yeah. He's, he, um, he basically does become John Wick, though, because, like, he, it seems like he kills every cowboy <laughs> in Arizona. If I'm not, like, they are just, as the marshals, they are hunting <laughs> these guys down. They never miss a shot. He walks out into the river with the, the shotgun. He, he takes out uh, mm-hmm. Curly Bill. <laughs> it's crazy. 
That is the thing that I felt uh, is that they got significantly better at this after the gunfight at the OK Corral. Like, if you just brought this ability to the gunfight at the OK Corral, things might have gone yes. differently. Yeah, that's what I... I yeah, and I, again, so we learned... Uh, again, I'm just trying to put the chronologically here. We learned much earlier in the movie that um, a Doc has two months to two years with the tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, and he's he's not doing great in this fight in the river. He can't even stand up. He's coughing blood. Mm -hmm. So I'm figuring that's maybe, you know, we're at 18 months from that initial diagnosis or whatever. Yeah. Um, and in that time, they ha yeah, like you said, they have leveled up their gunplay significantly. They're <laughs> hanging off moving horses, shooting under horse, you know, that sort of thing. It was cool, but I was it like, was, It was wow. cool, but I just, it didn't feel consistent with their, although there was always, uh, people always responded to Doc Holliday in particular as if he was dangerous, like throughout the whole movie, more than the Earps. Um, right. He had, but he did already have a reputation by this time, you know, like, uh, he was a notorious figure. So yeah, he always seemed more dangerous, uh, throughout the movie. So that felt a little bit more consistent, despite the fact that he's like, yeah, dying <laughs> the whole movie. I, yeah. Uh, even this guy who does not look good at all. He doesn't sound good. Does not look good. You know, everybody's still like, oh, it's Don Holiday. Like even at the, the last, the last duel that they had <laughs> with, um, mm -hmm. Ring, uh, Ringo was his name, Johnny or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he comes, I'm your Huckleberry. You know, he does that, which is a great line. And he, I, that accent, whatever, whatever affect he has going on is chef's kiss throughout the film. Um, yeah. He's like, oh shit. And he comes, when he comes out, but when he emerges from between those trees, he does not look good. He is, <laughs> he's like white, like not healthy. And this dude is still like, oh shit. My, well, I mean, uh, I will say, my fight's not with to, you. <laughs> yeah. Props to the makeup department because they did an incredible job of making Val Kilmer look like he had a fever the entire time. I mean, I think the acting is definitely contributing to it. Obviously, he gets yeah. shakier. He does a good job of looking like how you feel when you have a fever. You know, yeah, like that exactly. kind of shaky. But the makeup department always does an incredible job because he like his skin and just the sheen that he constantly has. Like, yeah, it's. I. I should have had a little bit of uh, uh, f foresight on this. I, I thought that I may. I, you know, I didn't want to expose myself to too much, but I thought that I may watch the rewatch the film wider after this one <laughs> to compare and contrast as a compare and contrast situation i did not do that but i'm wondering if you had how in terms of westerns right just overall of the ones you have seen and experienced mm -hmm. where are you is this like top tier middle tier where where would you like kind of say like at a high level where are you going to put tombstone I would say that I would put it middle. Okay. Because I think it's a very Western move, Western, right? Like it, yeah. it fulfills the brief. If you're in the mood for a Western, this will not leave you disappointed. But that's it for me on this one. There's nothing that like moved me 
or made me think or felt really compelling, you know, it was, and maybe it's because, you know, I know this story really well, but something like The Searchers. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, uh, you know, No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think. The name just totally escaped me, but the, again, Kurt Russell movie. Um, Winter People. No. <laughs> much later in his career, that was oh. a remake of the John Wayne one. Um, <laughs> the, uh, Bone t- No. Was no, not Bo- Bone Tomahawk. Oh no, I was yeah, I was like, I was just, I was just listing ones where he's in a western. Um, yeah, no, the one with the with the girl. Was that Hateful Eight? The Hateful Eight? No. no. Um, Are we the, sure John it's a Wayne wasn't movie? in there? <laughs> oh my gosh, this is gonna drive me crazy. I could have to. Um, Are you thinking of the? Is it the one? Is Jeff? Is it Jeff Bridges? The um... <laughs> oh yeah, maybe I'm I'm messing up. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll move on because I can't think of the name, so clearly it didn't make that big of an impression on me. No, I mean it did, but like I, but yeah, uh, the things that I think make a really good western, a really good anything really of any kind of story, but I definitely think is really true to a good western is something that makes you sit in your own morality like what do you what are you willing to do what are you willing to survive where are your lines Mm -hmm. what is your loyalty those are the kind of questions that a good western should really bring up i think you know because it's all about what do i mean i would say people but in the case of westerns usually men (laughs) do Mm. when they aren't actively constrained by society in the same way and i just didn't feel that from this movie interesting so i wasn't bored i was entertained it was visually interesting like we talked about great performances but it didn't it's not going to stay with me it didn't challenge me it didn't compel me so i would put it in the middle what about you okay all right i I just want to was the movie you're thinking of true grit Yes, that is the movie I was thinking okay. of. All right, I just wanted to make sure because I'm sure there are people that are like, "It's true, Greg. God damn it!" It's <laughs> I know. Grit. I do that on podcasts all the time, so I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> well, I didn't know either. I was like, I knew. I was like, I think it's. I think it might be the dude uh, in that movie. Maybe <laughs> I seem to remember there was a young girl being transported. Yeah. Um, I think I'm probably right there with you in terms of, again. It's 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 almost not a fair comparison to to put it. I I re- realize it's not a fair comparison to be like, well, no country for old men or whatever, because it's like, oh, well, no country for old men had 60, 70 years or a hundred years of Western influence to draw on to craft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they the Cohen brothers have a sensibility that I am very drawn to anyway. It's a yeah. thing, right? I mean, they're incredible that- filmmakers. Right. They, I think they understand. Yeah. They know death. how to tell a story. Yeah. They have a, a, in a, a keen understanding of death, um, <laughs> you know, as a as a construct. And, and mm-hmm. I really like that about them, which works well in the in in a Western. Right. Um, this one. I. 
I could see its influence in a lot of other things that I really like. And so I got to give it like retroactive props for that. Like, you know, I'm, I love video games, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption. It's basically yeah. this story, <laughs> right? They just did like a palette swap and a name swap. And it's this. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, this is interesting. I really like this. So I, you know, I'm giving it props for that. It has made me rethink my list of favorite Val Kilmer roles. Um, it has made me appreciate Michael Bean. Again, a lot of great performances <laughs> in this film. Yeah. I mean, the um, performances are, are all basically stellar. Um, except again for Wyatt Earp's wife. Not, no shade on that actress. <laughs> I just don't think there was anything to that character. Right. But she did, they didn't give the, her anything. Both of the other Earp wives managed with very small roles to still put a lot of personality into it. But I just think her direction for that character was to be like in a laudanum stupor the whole time. So. Right. And there's not, you know, what, what can be done, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. But I even like all the small parts, like the um, gay actor friend of uh, Josie's, like that's a pretty small part, but he left an impression. Like, right. It, yeah. That was, you know, just the. Uh, I, yes, of course. Was that? That was Billy Zane, right? Yeah. Was, yeah. Again. Yeah. That's what I say. Every small part has got an incredible actor in this movie and they yeah. do stuff with it, you know, so. It's ridiculous. When the bat, I really like, I mean, I'm a big fan of Michael Rooker, but when he turned, he was like, he threw down the red scarf or whatever. He's like, I didn't agree to that or whatever. I'm like, you fucking tell him, Rooker. <laughs> like, love that dude. Love that dude. All right. Yep. I think we, we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, but there's still one question we haven't answered yet. One outstanding question. God, I wish Whitney was here. (laughs) Is he hot in this one? When you picture Kurt Russell, probably going to be 80% yeses. He is hot in this one. 100%. I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers. The hair is a really big part of it. And I keep expecting that to turn me off, and it isn't. The butt, very good. In a binary, yes or no, is he hot? The answer is yes. I would not loophole Kurt Russell. (laughs) This is the hottest that Kurt Russell has been to date, in my humble opinion. Forgot how long that is. (laughs) That's <laughs> long. It's got that. This is the slow jam remix that you did. There, yeah. So I have. I forgot. I have like six of these. Also, that yeah. uh, um, I'll have to get them in a rotation now that uh, you know. Now, <laughs> yeah, I, I won't jinx us. Now that you know. Now that we're, we're recording. Yeah. But I got to get the other ones in rotation here. Yeah, for sure. Lindsay, we have a very simple question that we have to answer. <laughs> you may have already answered it, actually, but yeah, I think I kind of did. Is he hot in this one? I mean, yeah, but not really. <laughs> is it the like, handlebar mustache? So the handlebar mustache is definitely a part of it. Like okay. I, uh, people just need to be very careful with their facial hair. Like mustaches in particular. Like anybody who's listened to historical hotties knows that we have very strong opinions about mustaches in that they very rarely work. Like yeah, sometimes they do, but usually they fail, and you have to be very careful about it. Now, obviously, they're tied to what the actual person looked like, and mustaches like were very common at the time. But not everybody's Sam Elliott, you know. Not everybody can pull that off and work it. And I think that that's part of it. Otherwise, he looks very nice. Like the the costumes look good on him. He's you know whatever. But I do think he lacks 
magnetism in this because of the character and the way it's being directed off of everybody else, like I talked about earlier. You know, like, tubercular, feverish Val Kilmer was way more sexually attractive to me in this one than Kurt Russell. I think that's probably... I I don't want to speak for everybody. However, I have to imagine that people have a very confused attraction to Doc Holliday in this film. And they're like... I yeah. can't quite say why. Because <laughs> he just has the swag, you yeah. know? It doesn't matter that he's feverish and dying. He has the swag, and Wyatt Earp does not. <laughs> yeah, right until the end. Right until yeah. the end. Um, You know, I, th- I feel like I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you on this one. Um, I do like the, when he goes full martial, and he's got the long black coat and the badge and the vest and the whole situation. It's like, this yeah. is very good. They all looked, actually, like all four of them, they all looked stupendous. No, that's good. Um, There's a reason why that shot of them walking down the street is like yeah, the iconic like your, image from this yeah. movie. <laughs> so that, you know, that is, that's quite good. That's good. But overall, I tend to agree with you. And it's more for the... Uh, I think the mustache is good. However, whenever you're next to Sam Elliott, you, your mustache is is going on. to pale in comparison. Right. It's not. It's just you know you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, as it were. Uh, <laughs> that said, <laughs> I do think it's mostly attributed to uh, personality in this one, and and mm-hmm. not so you know he's surrounded by very lovable slash likable slash charismatic people, mm-hmm. uh, and that. You know, you, you you pick pick one, pick two, pick three, whatever. He may be he may be among them, but it wasn't the case for me. It was this was this was like Val Kilmer's movie, truly. It really was like this movie should have been called Doc Holiday. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Or yeah. I'm your yeah. Huckleberry. Um, oh my god. <laughs> we got that line the first time, and I was like, that was beautiful. But then we got it the second time. I was like, this is extraordinary. Exquisite. Excellent callback there. Yeah, no. And it is like, because Josie, for the bit that she's in, is so interesting. And again, like I said, I might be biased because I know like a lot of her life story. And she only gets more interesting the like more you know about her. But I am like, why are you into him (laughs) in this movie? I don't. He's surrounded by so many charismatic, compelling people. I do not get what pulled your focus to him. That's true. Well, he's a tall drink of water, I believe. Is uh... (laughs) I mean, I guess. (laughs) Um, But not even really the tallest drink of water. I think. (laughs) So not even that. I don't know. It's weird. It's it's just a confounding movie all around. At at points. At points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah. All right, I'm glad we I'm glad we covered that, and we're kind of in, we're, we're in agreement about that as well. So mm-hmm. that's good. That's yeah. good. Um, well, uh, should we see if Charles has completely uh, forgotten about us? Maybe time passes differently in the void. I don't know. Maybe maybe we maybe it is January 11th. Maybe in the void it's it's January 12th. We we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. All we know is that this opens the portal to the void. Figure it out, asshole. We're gonna find out who's who. I mean, I'd peg us in a D minus for this kind of thing. Keeping you at a disadvantage is an advantage I intend to keep. Think you can win on talent alone? You don't have enough talent. 
to win on talent alone. I honestly, I don't remember, okay? Ask about horses again, I'll slap you red. <laughs> hey! That was fun! Oh my gosh. I love that song too. <laughs> Figure It Out Asshole is our very own quiz show where the hosts will ask each of us three questions. If one of us gets the answer wrong, the other participants have a chance to steal, assuming they remember the remaining answers, which I don't know about you, Lindsay, but I don't think my memory has gotten better since the last time we recorded. No, um, I don't think so. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I usually try and watch the movie like the day of or the day before, and that did not happen in this case. I so. watched this movie like a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, all that said, I'd like to introduce our master of ceremonies coming to you live from the void, Charles Nolan. Hello, everybody. Charles. Hello, Charles. It has been a very long time. Oh, yes, it has. So time, time does pass the in the seam. void. Got it. Or is it, is, is it longer in the void? It's longer, shorter, and the same, all at the same time. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. That sounds difficult to keep track of, but... It is I'm... hard to explain. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Me too. Are we... Do we remember how to do this thing? I don't... I mean, it's been a minute, but I think we're doing okay so far. I think, we, I think we've... We're managing. I'm confident in your abilities to get these questions. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Here we away. go. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump right in, starting with our first question to Lindsay. Who was slated to be in this movie but fell from his horse, injuring himself, instead providing the narration for the opening and closing scenes? Was it John Wayne, Robert Mitchum, Thomas Hayden Church or Jimmy Stewart? Uh, Tom Payne? That is incorrect. Steel. Do I say steel? Steel. Andrew. <laughs> uh, God, I, I'm going to say someone who's. I, don't, I didn't even know if he was alive. Jimmy Stewart? That is incorrect. <gasps> Damn it. It was Robert Mitchum. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Moving on to- Feeling better. Andrew, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what hand did Doc Holliday have in the first poker scene we see? Oh my God. Did he have four of a kind, a straight flush, a full house, or a royal flush? Four of a kind. That is correct. Yes. Uh, I was pretty sure I actually knew that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have no idea. I feel like a royal flush would have been like, he's at, we're going to kill this guy. That never happens. But hey, that's all good. Moving on to <laughs> Lindsay. As the Earps ride into town, we see a grave for Lester Moore. How long has a gravestone with that epitaph been on display in the actual tombstone? Ooh. Was it 40 years, 60 years, 80 years, or 100 years? 
60 years. That is correct. Nice. Nice. Pure guesswork. (laughs) Impeccable. (laughs) Moving on to Andrew. All right. Bayon states that the town is growing and will be as big as where in a few years. (gasps) Is it Phoenix, Flagstaff, San Francisco, or Bisbee? Oh my God, I hope I get this right, because I think I remember it. San Francisco. That is correct. Yes. All right. Moving on to Lindsay. What drink does Bayhan order for Miss Marcus after the show? Is it whiskey, bourbon, beer, or champagne? Champagne. That is correct. Damn, killing it. (laughs) (laughs) No one's more surprised than me. (laughs) Nice. That may not be true. I am quite shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to Andrew. Right. Curly Bill wins 500 off of Wyatt at the Oriental. How much did that translate to in 1993 money? (laughs) Is it 5,400, 5,700, 6,400, or 6,700? Oh my God, what were the numbers? Inflation, Uh, in the gold standard, carry the one. Don't forget compound interest. (laughs) Compound interest. (laughs) Uh, $6,400, $6,400, I think, was an answer. I'm going to go with that one. That is incorrect. Damn it. Uh, steel? Lindsay. 54? That is incorrect. <gasps> oh, no. It was $6,700. Oh, I almost went higher and then I didn't do it. Ah. All right. That's a lot of, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of clams. That's a lot of simoleons. It is a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to Lindsay. Which of these actors was not originally considered for Doc Holliday? Jeremy Irons, David Bowie, Willem Dafoe, or Liam Neeson? I'm gonna say David Bowie. That is incorrect. (gasps) Really, David Bowie is Doc Holliday? That would've been wild. I would've loved that. Um, steel. Andrew. I I'm I I just pivoted in my own mind. I I was so sure of what I was gonna say, and now I'm done second guessing. I'm gonna go with Jeremy Irons on this one. That is incorrect. Son of a bitch. I was gonna say Willem Dafoe. That would still have been incorrect. God damn. <laughs> Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson was not considered for Doc Holliday. See, I would have put him above But Defoe, Jeremy but... Irons and Willem Dafoe absolutely were. I guess that tracks. I, I mean, guess... William Def- Willem Dafoe and Jeremy Irons and David Bowie all do have that kind of angular fey thing going on that works it's... for Doc Holliday, so I get it. Yeah, all right. I can see. All right, I see it. I'm convinced. I don't really have a concept of money, but I would pay a lot of it to see David Bowie. 
as Doc Holliday. <laughs> I mean, me too. I picked David Bowie because I was thought there's no way that that would have been possible. That's too like cool. But that yeah, I'm with you. I would I would pay some money. Although I, I mean, I love Val Kilmer's performance in this, That's but true. I want to see David Bowie do basically everything. Yes, exactly. One hundred percent. Right. That this is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Moving on to Andrew. All right. Before Virgil knocks him out, Ike says he'll send the Earps and Holiday to hell on a what? Is it train, shutter, horse, or bullet? (sighs) Train. That is incorrect. God damn it. Steel? Lindsay. Bullet? That is incorrect. Oh my god, what's happening? <laughs> He'll send him to hell on a shutter. Oh no. I okay. should have we should have figured that out just because it's more incongruous. <laughs> yeah, it's complete and utter nonsense. With four questions left, the scores are two to two to four. <laughs> god damn it. All right, we need a win. Moving on to Lindsay. What is anachronistic about the Peacemaker pistol that Wyatt Earp uses? Is it its comically long barrel? It shoots seven, not six. The wooden inlay on the handle or the gold etching? It shoots seven and not six? That is incorrect. Steel. Andrew. I'm going to say the golden inlay. That is incorrect. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, no, golden inlay was definitely a thing. The comically long barrel was not actually used back then. (sighs) I called that out earlier. She did. I thought it looked cool. That's why. I had (laughs) such confidence for you for that question. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Three questions left. Moving on to Andrew. Oh my God. The actual gunfight at OK Corral lasted about 30 seconds with shots fired from about six feet away. How many shots were fired at the actual gunfight at OK Corral? (laughs) Was it 15, 20, 25, or 30? Uh... Yeah, assuming people maybe didn't empty all their barrels because they got shot and they dropped their gun. Oh, my God. 20. That is incorrect. (laughs) Steel? Lindsay. 30? That is correct. Holy shit, we're still in it. We're still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to Lindsay. How many times does Wyatt say no in the scene where he kills Curly Bill? (laughs) Is it five, six, seven, or eight? Seven. That is incorrect. Oh my God. (laughs) The the only one that matters is the one where the camera is dollying in on him and he's like, no, five. That is incorrect. Oh my god. 
It was six. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> For the final question of regulation, figure it out, asshole. Andrew. Which Gilbert and Sullivan musical is being performed at the end of the movie? Oh, I'm terrible at these. Trivia questions? <laughs> Musicals. <laughs> Was it Pirates of Penzance, The Mikado, HMS Pinafore, or The Sorcerer? Jesus Christ. That was not one of the options. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Um, uh, <laughs> I kind of forgot what they were. Um, uh, HMS Pinafore. I remember that one. That is correct. <gasps> oh my I God. knew this one. I can't believe you stumbled onto Pinafore. <laughs> I remember Lindsay, or not Lindsay, you're Lindsay. Whitney yelled at me because I was like, I don't know what it is. And then she sang part of it and I can't remember mm -hmm. what it was. And she was like, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that from cartoons or something. <laughs> was it, I am the very model of a modern major general? That's the one. And yeah. it was from Animaniacs. Animaniacs. <laughs> that's why I thought it was that song because that's, oh. they did the around the world song too. Listeners, it's the exact same conversation. <laughs> Sorry. All right. There we go. Sorry. Yeah, is, uh, he is an Englishman. That song. Got it. All right. Moving on to the bonus round oh of gosh. Figured Out Asshole, where questions are posed to no one in particular, and anyone can buzz in to guess the right answer. Let's hear those buzzer sounds, starting with Lindsay. Ding, ding, ding. Moving on to Andrew. Bzz. Wonderful. There are three bonus round questions. The current scores are three to three to six. What, what have we done? This <laughs> what happens when we take a break for this long. Oh my gosh. First episode back. Here we go. Question number one. According to Val Kilmer, how hot was it the day they filmed the Birdcage theater scene? Was it? 110, 128, 134, or 150. Oh my gosh. Psst. Andrew. 128. 128. That is incorrect. <laughs> Steel. Lindsay. 150. That is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> It was 134. Oh, no. Okay. Which of these actors was considered for the role of Wyatt Earp? Was it Powers Booth, Richard Gere, Dennis Hopper, or Charlton Heston? Ding, ding, ding. Lindsay. Richard Gere? That is incorrect. Oh, my God. I forgot the third person. Uh, <laughs> so I guess I got to go with Powers Booth on this one. That is incorrect. <laughs> the third person is the one you needed to remember. It was Dennis Hopper. God damn it. <laughs> Dennis oh. Hopper would have been wild. Wild. Buck wild. Hopped it up. The mania that would have been if Dennis Hopper was playing wider. Yeah. 
And the final question of the bonus round of Figure It Out Asshole. What kind of tree does Doc call Wyatt to say he stands firm against his interest in Josephine? Was it an oak, an elm, a sycamore, or an ash? Ding, ding, ding. Lindsay. An oak? That is correct. Well done. Well done. <laughs> that brings our scores to Andrew with three. Yes. Lindsay with four. And The Void with eight. <laughs> A landslide. I think I still, I think I still have to uh, play this. Um, and you were meant to be here <laughs> yes. tonight. What? What happens now? <laughs> I don't know. We're in uncharted waters. This is tough. This is a tough loss. This is a. This was a decisive victory by the void. A decisive yes. void victory. <laughs> we were <laughs> trounced by the void. <laughs> I gotta watch the movies closer to when, uh... <laughs> yeah. Damn. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, uh, Charles. You gotta... What, what happens now? I believe at this point the podcast is mine. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I, I humbly accept these terms, you know? I'll just... I don't know how to... Transfer it to you, but I'll, I'll figure that out. We, we'll, we'll figure we'll, it out and bring it up on the next episode. <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> offline, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I know how to communicate from the void offline. Incredible. Incredible. That is incorrect. <laughs> uh, Charles, have you? I, well, you have. You had to have seen Tombstone. What are your thoughts on this film? I agree with a lot of what has already been said, that it is a good film, that seems a little disjointed at times. Mm, the mm. plot comes in in the last half of the movie and is enjoyable. It is a great Western, but is not the great Western. Interesting. Yeah. What is the great Western in your opinion? Do you have one? I will need to think for a very long time. <laughs> Go through the, the the data stores. I understand. I understand. There I'm on the search. So many great options. All right. All right. I'll uh, when you know when we talk about the transition of power from you know the the show becoming yours. That you know I'll 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 ask again. Great. <laughs> now I will say there is one piece left still to do, and that is figure it out, audience. <gasps> We have two questions for the audience where you can chime in with your answers either in Discord or on Twitter while Twitter or X is still around. <laughs> Tweet, zeet, whatever it is nowadays, <laughs> at me, at the Nolan, T-H-E-N-O-W-L-I-N, or just tag me in your answer on Discord to the following questions. Number one, what is the name of the restaurant outside of which Wyatt mourns the loss of his brother Morgan? And number two, what number is the train that Virgil and the Earp women ride out on, shared with a Van Halen album name? 
send me your answers, and if you get it correct, you'll get called out on the next episode of Figure It Out Audience. Incredible. Incredible. Charles, as always, thank you for the, uh, the time that it takes to put all this together, you know, as time moves in three distinct fashions for you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it still takes a while. It does, and I'm still happy to do it. All right. I'd love to hear that. Love to hear that. Um, we're going we're gonna to finish our last show, uh, I guess, <laughs> and then... Um, Hand and, it over. Yeah, the show will continue. Okay. Don't worry. Just it will just be that I am running it and you will be doing my bidding. <laughs> yeah. Charles is our hopefully benevolent ruler. No. That is incorrect. Shit. Kind of love to have that soundboard just here for random things. I should start <laughs> using these on like Zooms from time to time when someone. Yes. <laughs> you definitely should. <laughs> when someone says something I disagree with. It. Uh, okay. Thanks so much, Charles. Thank well, you very much, and I will be in touch. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The Void wins. The Void wins. I have the to mark this wins. down. On Tombstone. Gosh. Yeah. Gosh. All right. All right. Uh, let's figure this out here. This was supposed to be Whitney's movie. She mm -hmm. obviously can't join us. She was, you know, feeling a little under the weather today. That's okay. We're powering through. So, Lindsay, I'll, I'll put it to you. Do you want to run through the, the major plot points? I'm happy to do it, but I just want to give you the option. Uh, I have no problem doing it. I just need the... <laughs> I oh, mean, do you have anything? I do. It's or... link. I have the Wikipedia link right here. Hold on. Let me just pop it in. So, Tombstone. Uh, in 1879, members of an outlaw gang known to wear red sashes called the Cowboys, led by Curly Bill Baracus, rides into a Mexican town and interrupts a local police officer's wedding. They then proceed to massacre the assembled policemen in retribution for killing two of their fellow gang members. Shortly before being shot, a local priest warns them that their acts of murder and savagery will be avenged, re referencing the biblical fourth horseman. Meanwhile, Wyatt Earp, a retired police officer with a notable reputation, reunites with his brothers Virgil and Morgan in Tucson, Arizona, where they venture on towards Tombstone to settle down. There, they encounter Wyatt's longtime friend, Doc Holliday, who is seeking relief in the dry climate from his worsening tuberculosis. Josephine Marcus and Mr. Fabian are also newly arrived with a traveling theater troupe. Meanwhile, Wyatt's common-law wife, Maddie Baylock, is becoming dependent on laudanum. Wyatt and his brothers begin to profit from a stake in a gambling emporium and saloon where they have their first encounter with the cowboys. As tension rises, Wyatt is pressured to help rid the town of the cowboys, though he is no longer a lawman. Curly Bill begins shooting at the sky after a visit to an opium den and is told by Marshal Fred White to relinquish his firearms. Curly Bill instead shoots the Marshal dead and is forcibly taken into custody by Wyatt. The arrest infuriates Ike Clayton and the other cowboys. Curly Bill stands trial but is found not guilty due to a lack of witness. Virgil, unable to tolerate lawlessness, becomes the new marshal and imposes a weapons ban within the city limits. This leads to a gunfight at the OK Corral, in which Billy Clayton and the McClary brothers are killed. Virgil and Morgan are wounded, and the allegiance of 
County Sheriff Johnny Beham with the Cowboys is made clear. As retribution for the Cowboys' deaths, Wyatt's brothers are ambushed, Morgan is killed while Virgil is left handicapped, a despondent Wyatt and his family leave Tombstone and board a train with Ike Clayton and Frank Stilwell close behind preparing to ambush them. Wyatt sees that his family leaves safely and then surprises the assassins. He kills Stilwell but lets Clayton live to send a message. Wyatt announces that he is a U.S. Marshal and that he intends to kill any man he sees wearing a red sash. Wyatt Doc, a reformed cowboy named Sherman McMasters, Texas Jack Vermillion, and Turkey Creek Jack Johnson form a posse to seek revenge. <laughs> Not a boy band. Are also. incredible. <laughs> yeah. Turkey Creek Jack Johnson? What the f- is I mean, uh, it just takes so much longer to say than whatever I presume. I mean, Jack Johnson, I'm presuming, is his regular name. Yeah, that's great. Hey. That rolls right off the tongue. Why would you add more to that? It's like Cur- <laughs> Curly Bill, I guess, maybe? Yeah. And, you know, it's fine. I just love these old Western nicknames. They were pre- yeah. they were actually pretty hilarious. <laughs> uh, Wyatt and his posse are ambushed in a riverside forest by the cowboys. Wyatt walks into the creek, miraculously surviving the enemy fire, and kills Curly Bill along with many of his men. Curly Bill's second-in-command, Johnny Ringo, becomes the new head of the cowboys. When Doc's health worsens, the group is accommodated by Henry Hooker at his ranch. Ringo lures McMasters into the cowboy's clutches under the pretense of parlay and then sends a... Oh, is that where that uh, reviewer got <laughs> the um, Pirates of the Caribbean reference with uh, because they parlay in that too? <laughs> and then sends a <laughs> messenger dragging McMaster's corpse to tell Wyatt that he wants a showdown to end the hostilities. Wyatt agrees. Wyatt sets off for the showdown, not knowing that Doc has already arrived at the scene. Very, very feverish at this point. Doc confronts the yeah. surprised Ringo, who is expecting Wyatt, and challenges him to the duel to finish their game, which Ringo accepts. This is when we get the incredible callback to I'm your Huckleberry. Doc and yeah. Ringo have already had a couple of standoffs in Tombstone that were ultimately broken up. Wyatt runs when he hears a gunshot, only to encounter Doc, who has killed Ringo. They then press on to complete their task of eliminating the cowboys, although Clayton escapes their vengeance by renouncing his red sash. Doc is sent to a sanatorium in Colorado, where he dies of his illness. At Doc's urging, Wyatt pursues Josephine to begin a new life. They dance in the snow (laughs) after a show. Yeah, outside of the theater, where they're doing HMS Pinafore. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't... It is funny. I I completely forgot that like for again, for about what are we talking total seconds of screen time? 30 that Charlton Heston is in this movie as the uh the guy who when they stop like at the way station, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. like that's Charlton and and why why I, I, it's just one of those they seem to have like I don't know maybe called up a bunch of their friends or something they somehow yeah. got every bit part it was like um, it's a much smaller cast but um, in uh, Bones and All have you seen oh, that he, movie? I haven't seen it but no yeah I've, I've heard every single person in that movie he like called up all of his friends and asked them to come work on it for <laughs> so it's like Incredible. the server at a diner or the orderly in a who has like three lines is an incredible actor 
you're like there is there's no normal people in this movie it's all like yeah it's all just the top 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 of the list that reminds yeah. I, I mean that's like um that's also like the uh what the heck was it um john favreau chef i don't know if you've ever seen that yes yeah no, so similar. He it basically you're like Robert Downey Jr. is in this How much did this movie cost to make? It was like $3 million. <laughs> Just call it up friends. He's like, I'll do this one for you for free, buddy. It's great. Yeah, the movie where John Favreau was like, oh yeah, my ex-wife was totally Sofia Vergara and my current girlfriend is Scarlett Johansson. Right. <laughs> Don't think too hard about it. Who's who's writing this? Oh. <laughs> oh, that's right. So, <laughs> classic. Classic Fav. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This has been an eventful episode. We're back. We're talking westerns. We started a whole new era of the but, void being in charge. Yeah, I feel like there's we should probably just declare a new season of the show at this point. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to something. it's hard to know what comes next, but we'll uh let's let's finish it off the way we normally do and then we'll mm -hmm. see what happens next. I don't know. Yeah. So, Lindsay, do you ultimately recommend this film? I do, yeah. Okay, all right. I do as well, right? Uh, you know, again, I, I gave my prefaces up front about not being a Western guy, but mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun with this one. I, I really did walk away from this one feeling great. The yeah, more interesting, yeah. um, where more interesting thing it? here <laughs> is where we're going to put this in the Kurt Russell movie rankings as of right now, okay? Yeah. So we're in the year of our Lord, 1993. Okay. Um, yeah. I your your top five is is great right mm -hmm. now. Do you want to run down your top five? Yeah, my top five is The Thing at number one with a bullet. Um, Escape from New York, uh, also very securely at number two. And Big Trouble in Little China. It is a solidly carpenter list up top. Right. And then we have Silkwood and Backdraft. Okay. So basically my debate is which side of Silkwood am I putting this on? Oh, that's high. All right. I yeah. like that. So I think this is going to go... I think how compelling some of the performances are in this is yeah. going to push it just right above Silkwood, so it's going to be my new number four. That's incredible. All right. I love that. Yeah. You can't, you know, um, you can't deny Meryl Streep and Silkwood. However, you know. Yeah. Silkwood had a much more cohesive story, but <laughs> there's some very, very charismatic performances in uh, Tombstone, and I do think it's a, it's just a, it is a solid Western. It's not... An incredible Western, but it is a solid Western. There we go. There we go. All right. Um, I, so I, my, my, my top five is a little, just a, just a slightly different from yours. <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China, followed by Tango and Cash. Then the thing, Escape from New York and Backdraft. Then, uh, then comes Silkwood for me. And I'm going to also place mine right above Silkwood. No. So it doesn't crack the top five, but it's right there at number six. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a really, really uh, surprisingly good time with this one. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I'm going to revisit it again. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Mm. 
You but still I, have to do a Wyatt Earp off and yeah, we got our, yeah, we, yeah. That's maybe the next thing if we we decide we want to do some <laughs> twin movies. I'm sure there are about nine thousand podcasts about that. Um, mm. But I've never, I've never count this one, movie out. But yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's really that that's kind of the list. I, that that feels really good to me. The top ten is tight for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you you also have a top ten, so yeah, that's great. Your top ten. What didn't make the top ten? The one and only genuine original family. <laughs> Dead last with a bullet. What's the yep, what's the yep. length of Lindsay's list? The one and only the one and only genuine original family band is the highest number possible on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, for everyone ex- except uh, Whitney, who put Super Dad at the end, having not even seen the film. <laughs> I didn't see it either, you know, but I put it at the end just on principle. That that also works for me. (laughs) All right. Uh, The next episode is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will be walking us through a film called Stargate. I believe Lindsay will be with us on this episode as well. I I do intend to be. Yes. I had a very strong um, Stargate period as a child. Incredible. (laughs) I feel like I've seen this movie, but I have next to no recollection of it. And every time someone says Stargate, I actually think of MacGyver because I've seen like I've never seen an episode of the show. Right. But uh, I that has somehow made its way like into references between friends and stuff in such a way that like I'm exposed to it constantly more so than the movie and yeah. so i ne- we need to fix this i need to <laughs> i need to recalibrate so that it becomes a kurt russell property again um yeah. the stargate the tv show is very referenceable because yeah. it went on for a pretty long time it's one of yeah. those shows that people are surprised by how many seasons it actually had when you um and there's lots of fun campy sci-fi stuff in it mm-hmm. um the the movie is much more serious in tone than okay. uh the tv show is um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I was very, very big into Egyptology and very, very big into space. And so this is a movie that put those together. So obviously it was going to be on my, <laughs> see, the more people describe it to me, the more, uh, the more I'm like, did I see Stargate? Cause I'm like, I don't, I remember. I feel like you would remember it, but who knows? I, yeah. It's going to be, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm excited to revisit it nevertheless. So that yeah. puts us uh, in the, in 1994 Kurt Russell. So um, we're, we're going to try to get through these, these 90s films. We only have like five or six left. So yeah. uh, we'll, uh, we'll make it happen. That We're nearing us... the end of the 20th century. So. Yeah, that, that'll bring us to the end of, of season two. And then we get into a whole string, like almost 10 movies in a row of Kurt Russell's that I have not seen. So Yeah, it's... I don't think I saw a lot of early aughts Kurt Russell. So Yeah, I think it was just Vanilla Sky for me. So maybe not 10 in a row, but like two Vanilla Sky, then like eight in a row. And I'm, and I'm like, I, I, don't know, I don't know what he was doing, but I wasn't I wasn't paying attention, clearly. Was so. not tuned in at the time. I know. What happens? That was, that's when Keanu Reeves came around in a big way. So <laughs> that's why. Uh, that This is it. We, we finished an episode. We did it. We did it. How do we you feel? We lost to the void, but we did it. <laughs> <laughs> right. We are now slaves to Charles Nolan. However, uh-huh. that's okay. Yeah. 
Um, uh, no, it was good. It was fun. Fun to be back podcasting again. Yeah, we're gonna get the. I think we'll Stargate should be a, a jam packed episode. I think we can have the the, the whole crew uh, the mm-hmm. whole crew involved with that party one. episode. Or, yeah, just a crazy. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, until then. Where uh, where might people find you on the internet? I know that things are splintering in weird and interesting <laughs> ways now, Lindsay. Where, yeah, where well, can people find you? I mean, you, I am still extant on Twitter, yeah. X, whatever, though I am not on there much at all, but I do still <laughs> exist there. Um, my Instagram, Lindsay Cameron Nelson, if you want to see uh, the gelatos that I'm working on. Um, and I am on Blue Sky. So. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> if you are on Blue Sky, I am Lindsay Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N, on Blue Sky as well. Okay. Trying out a new platform. All right. You know, of all of them, I have not I have not signed up for anything new. I've I've I, I I'm rearranging deck t- chairs on the Titanic on Twitter yeah. still. So that's fine. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Uh, you know, it's been good. Um if you want to find me there, I'm at Dark Driving. And then I might just like it might just be the podcasts and like video specific stuff. So like YouTube and Twitch for me. I don't know if I really, I don't have the energy anymore. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm tired. I'm tired. Um, I am but, also on TikTok. It's mostly my dinner parties on TikTok. There you go. That could be good. Is it also yeah. Lindsay? Uh, no, I couldn't get that. It's Noctisphelia on oh, TikTok. Okay. We'll link it. I'll link it in the show notes. That'll be great. Uh, follow Lindsay there on TikTok. That's another one. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. Can't, can't, can't invest. I can't, can't. It because ju- I, I know I've seen it happen where I'm, I, mm-hmm. you know, friends and they're like, oh, I'm just gonna hop on TikTok real quick, and then I, they're gone. They're literally not in the. Ro- We're in the same room, but they are not. But here they're not there for ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and I'm like, yeah. What happened? Where did you go? They're it's off too- watching somebody make cottage core bread. That's what they're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. Or make food completely wrong. Either way. Either way. <laughs> either it's, way. It's infuriating to think about. Uh, I have to press a button, I think. Maybe this one. Oh, my gosh. There it is. I love this so much. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us after a very long hiatus. And in the immortal words of Jack Burton, sit tight, hold the fort, keep the home fires burning. <laughs>